welcome back to DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. I am your host, DDA Communications Manager, Evan Kelly. Uh, today we're talking about caregiving as a profession. To me, it's a profession that we as a society often take advantage of. We don't look at it as one of those jobs that you shoot for necessarily. It doesn't have the cachet of doctor, lawyer, CEO, or what have you. But these jobs are vital, not just to the people DDA supports. They don't always come with the highest wage or even respect, which is wrong in my mind. Caregivers are vital to everyone in the literal world. At some point in our lives, if not now, at some point we will all need care, whether it's at a home because of illness or injury or a senior's home or a, or a group home like the ones DDA operates, we are all going to be touched by this need and this profession. So I wanted to shine a light on one of the dedicated employees here at DDA and talk, to, talk about who they are and what they do and why. Joining me today is uh, Ratman Mather. She is a longtime employee of DDA and manages our Curzon Group Home that five people with developmental disabilities call home. Many of the clients we support in our 19 homes in Vancouver and Richmond have been with us for de decades. I mean, they literally become family. So Ratnam, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Evan. Thank you for inviting me. So uh, just right off the, the top here, what, what got you started in this line of work? Mm -hmm. Prior to coming to Vancouver, I taught in a school in Germany that had many kids from refugee families. They were from Albania, Romania, Turkey, and other European countries. Some kids were separated from their parents and were waiting for their arrival. A social worker was assisting the kids in their different needs. These kids were going through struggles to adjust in new culture in their relationship to other students. In their learning and doing homework, it was obvious to me that their families too were going through difficulties at home. Trying to cope with their status as refugee, I spent time with kids and listened to their stories. I did not speak German, nor they spoke English, but working with some very simple words, um, in English and German, and with the help of a social worker, we made enough connection to understand what was going on in their lives. These kids needed a lot of help to cope with pressures of studies and at school, as well as in dealing with their trauma and mental health challenges. It was challenging for me it, to win their trust and to create helpful environment so that I could help them in their studies and sometimes their families at home as well. This firsthand experience for about three years gave me a unique perspective on empathy and value of community service. So when we moved uh, to Vancouver in 2003, I wanted to continue in this field at schools as special needs teacher, but my work permit did not allow me. So how, how come oh, the work permit wouldn't allow you to be a special needs teacher? Uh, because I was on NAFTA, I have a U.S. passport, and they don't allow uh, to work. Uh, the spouse was not allowed to work with kids and schools. And it, it so much that, that I could not even take the courses. At the, really? Yeah. So take me, so you're, you're in Germany at this point. Yes. And... Um, uh, you're helping kids with no they were developmentally disabled or they were, they were no, just refugees no, or something no actually they called those schools as international schools and mostly that international is refugee kids from all 
over uh, so neighborhood countries. What sort of challenges did you face there with, like, I mean, obviously oh, there's some language absolutely. difficulty. Absolutely. Uh, they are also learning uh, uh, German, and you cannot survive there without learning Deutsch. So uh, that was it. And, uh, you know, kids are really good uh, picking up the language. That mm -hmm. was not an issue. The issue was the all struggle they have come through that because mm -hmm. from family, when uh, people are arriving, they it's not the whole family coming together. It's one at a time. So mm -hmm. that That's, that is a challenge. Yeah. Sometimes kids come and the parents are come later. So the social worker plays a really very, very important role. So that them. must be some emotional challenges. Absolutely. To deal with as well. uh, emotional, mental, like, you know, to adjust with the culture and with the kids and, you know, to be just normal. And did we? Did you find that it was a very successful system over there in Germany? How did, how was it similar uh, to here? I I think uh, I don't know the system here for the refugee so much, but I I was surprised they have a very good system there. Um, a lot of uh, resources in the school, uh, especially for the kids. I don't know all over um, how they go, but working with this social worker, I came to know that they have a lot of resources. They help with kids, like, you know, throughout their journey till high school, till they uh, uh, complete their, their now, what, where did these kids mostly come from? Uh, Romania, Kosovo, um, Albania, all uh, neighborhood countries. Must be sort of interesting seeing the, the political upheaval in all oh, these countries. absolutely, like, absolutely. I feel sometimes in Canada we're quite isolated. And protected. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are protected. That's true. <laughs> Feel gonna, safe to be here. Absolutely, it is. Mm -hmm. I, we, you know, we mm -hmm. sometimes we take mm -hmm. that for granted. Mm -hmm. You came from Germany to the United States, yeah. and then to Canada. No, actually, um, I got. I'm from India. Uh -huh. I got married there. My husband was in Yale at uh, in U.S. Connecticut. Oh, he went to Yale. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. So my, um, so I stayed over there, um, and then I'd say about five years we moved to Boston, and there I uh, started working in multicultural uh, school in the bank, and then from there moved to Germany. It's all because of my husband's job. Oh, okay. Moving. And how long did you live in Boston? That's interesting. Oh, almost nine years. Really? Because I my uh, my family spent a year in Boston. Oh. This is an aside on this podcast. Now we spent a year. <laughs> my dad did a, a second master's degree mm -hmm. at Harvard uh, mm -hmm. when, when he was with the government of oh, uh, okay. I believe Al mm -hmm. Regina, uh, mm -hmm. Saskatchewan, or other. So yeah. My what, husband was working for Harvard too. What mm. does he do? Oh, he does research. Oh, okay. He was doing research at that time. Nine years in Boston. What uh, what part of Boston did you live in? Oh, we were suburb uh, Norwood, Norwood? Uh, almost forty five minutes. Uh, from the main town. And we were in uh, Belmont. Oh, Belmont. Massachusetts, near mm -hmm. like Cambridge, that, oh, kind, okay. that kind of mm -hmm. area. No, those are very expensive. Couldn't afford that. It was, not, it was, it was good. Uh, my memory, I was quite mm -hmm. young, grade four, grade five, mm -hmm. so my, but my memory of Boston is, mm -hmm. uh, is quite good. So mm -hmm. anyway, back back on point. Uh, so you, you, you got to Canada and, and you wanted to keep working in this field. Now, <clears throat> I got to back up a little bit because what is your education and what is your actual expertise? Um, I have done my master's in commerce and I have done my double graduate in um, English literature and uh, BCom. English but, literature? Yeah, oh, yeah right, that. Uh, right then. All my education is done in India. Wow. And um, 
Yes, when I, you know, uh, that is what I tell my kids too, that you never know what you want to be. Like, you know, after graduation, after it, uh, this, there was some hollow in it. Like, you know, I worked uh, in Boston, I worked in the bank, and uh, but still I need to know what, so when I got this opportunity in uh, Germany, working with a social worker, that time I felt that, yes, this was it. More of so, a synergy. Yeah. And so, I mean, you did, you did your commerce degree and, and uh, English literature, literature. I mean, wow, you've got some, you've got some education behind you there. Mm -hmm. um, and you worked in the bank in Germany. That was the only time you sort of used that particular degree? Um, I, I uh, used that in Boston, too my degree because uh, over there I was actually looking forward to complete my CA mm -hmm. uh, my credential, uh, credential were all approved so um, I was about to go into that direction oh I see but I think I think it, this, it, you you raise such a such a good point because uh, about you know what it is we you know educate ourselves with what what you know what we think we should be chasing versus what we mm -hmm. end up wanting Thank to you. do and so what, I mean, you, you, you helped the, the refugees in Germany, and so what made you keep wanting to do this here in Canada? Yeah, when I moved in Vancouver, um, I was looking into the same field, but because of my some restriction on my uh, work permit, I could not. Um, then I started exploring the nonprofit organization, like, you know, and, uh, but with that, I want, because my kids were in school, so I wanted to get a full-time job. So uh, during that time, I got uh, employed by Indian Consulate. I was working there. That's here in Vancouver? It, that's here in Vancouver, in downtown. And then I saw this posting, uh, DDA posting, mm -hmm. and uh, I applied for it, and that's what I And what, what was that posting? Oh, it was Grandview uh, CSW, uh, the... Uh, so in uh, Grandview Day program, that time it used to be. So CS, CSW is a community yes. support worker, yeah. and that's where it started. Was that a, was that a full time job when you started? It was uh, yes, it was a full time. And did was it what you were expecting? I mean, had you worked with people with developmental disabilities um, before? N not directly, but uh, during this, I had learned a lot about it. And uh, when I started uh, working, I even. Uh, picked a few courses online and, you know, and uh, did update, upgrade myself. Did DDA support you through that? Absolutely, it did. I think that very year I was very lucky to get involved with direct support a worker course. That was a pilot project at DDA, mm -hmm. and that helped me a lot too. Oh, that's good. And so, um, I mean, when you when you applied for that, when you did you know much about DDA at the time? Um, not really. As uh, on work, I started. Uh, but you knew, you knew this is the direction you wanted to go. Absolutely, that time I was really clear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, you're the kind mm -hmm. of people we want. You know, <laughs> people who make that decision in life. It's like I'm here to help and give back. Yeah. And so how? Sometimes I think that it's too late, but you know, never late. <laughs> too late for what? What do you mean? I mean, too late to uh, you know at that age to see what you want to do in life. Yeah, well, you know, as long as, I guess, I guess as long as you're not dead, you can make a change. <laughs> That's a positive, okay. <laughs> you know. um, and so w with that said, now, how long have you been with DDA? Um, 
almost 19 years this year. 19 years. So we're, yeah. we're, we're coming up on 20 years. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And, um, and so I guess why is this line of work important to you? Well, I have always found working with people with disabilities deeply satisfying to me. I want to be their voice where they don't, to help them think positively that they do have potential to learn new things, take part in activities just like you and me, and to be happy in exploring and enjoying everything in life just like others. The joy of seeing our supported clients, gaining confidence day by day, learning that new skills and enjoying themselves fills me with great satisfaction. So, and, and, and that's, that's it too. I mean, you get that feeling of doing something good for, for the community, doing something for people who can't, who can't mm -hmm. speak for themselves mm -hmm. all the time. You know, we're all about uh, self-advocacy and making sure that, you know, the, one of the big tenements of DDA is making sure our clients uh, make their own decisions and make, make sure they're driving their own path. Mm -hmm. You know, so being part of that must be, mm -hmm. must be uh, well, even, even from my position, it's a very, mm -hmm. uh, very, very good thing and a very good feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so given your experience uh, of, you know, back, going back to Germany, going, you know, through all of your other jobs, what do you feel like DDA is doing right? And what could we improve upon? Mm -hmm. First of all, um, I will highly suggest everyone at DDA to watch our award-winning movie, uh, Doing the Impossible. It's a deeply personal journey for many clients and their families. At that uh, time, they were under institutional care that had its own damaging effects on the families. After watching this movie, we can see how far DDA has come in its 72 years. Mm -hmm. We personally connect quality of service to the clients, the passionate care we provide, and witnessing happiness in the lives of people we touch every day. Yeah, that's uh, and the movie she's talking about, or rather the documentary, is uh, Doing the Impossible. It's something the communications department put together last year, and it's since won three British Columbia Leo mm -hmm. Awards. It mm -hmm. really is oh, yeah. the... Uh, mm -hmm. The, um, it's, well, it's called Doing the Impossible, the story of the Developmental Disabilities Association, where one woman, Leo Laperti, took, you know, decided to buck the trend and, and keep her child out of uh, institutions. Yeah. You know, and 72 years later, here we are, uh, you know, 500 plus employees and institutions in British Columbia are gone mm -hmm. and community living yeah. is, is, is here. Yeah. And so that, you know, that is, you know, it shows exactly you know, what DDA is all about and what this line of work means and the changes it c can actually bring. So tell me about the people at Curzon. Tell me, you have, there's five individuals you support? Yes, um, all five individuals quite different in their age and cultural background. Um, very loving, uh, full of life, uh, music, dancing, partying is what they like, playing sports but also having a big heart to give back to their community. Big message they give out to the world is respect, love, peace, and they enjoy together. Um, they are always ready to reach out to help others, whether it's shortage of food at the food bank or a natural disaster like floods or calls for peace in the world. Mm -hmm. They are always ready 
and willing to help out in their very own way. If you walk in Richmond around Curzon neighborhood, you will very likely notice our client's name on Adopt the Street polls. And even Richmond Dykes. They also volunteer at Meals on Wheel, delivering food to the seniors. One of the residents advocate for recycling used items. Whenever he buy, buys new clothes without being asked, he will get the old ones out from his closet to donate. A big, uh, big strong <laughs> personality. So how, like, that's, is that a big part of DDA programming? Like, I mean, I, I kind of cloister myself a little bit at head office doing my thing, but mm -hmm. when it comes to our clients uh, in, uh, in the community, there's a big drive to get them involved in that stuff. I mean, they want to anyway, but I like I find, um, you know, like with the, the the food bank donations, there's you know the, mm -hmm. that's sort mm -hmm. of a, a cyclical, I guess, mm -hmm. seasonal as well. And yes, um, you know, uh, clients are very busy in the community. They they know what is happening around. Mm -hmm. That's the part our staff uh, plays in a role in uh, our clients' life. They, they communicate, they talk, they um, help them to read the newspaper, mm -hmm. help them to understand what's happening around the world. Uh, when they are watching TV and uh, news, they will ask questions. Uh, like, you know, I remember the first time when we did um, uh, fundraising for Pakistan flood relief. That was our first one. And um, that happened through the client. He was watching movie. He saw mm -hmm. the person. Uh, he saw a kid who uh, they showed that he is uh, looking for food to eat or drink water. Mm -hmm. And he's, the first thing came out from him is, oh, if he is here, I will take him to McDonald and I will <laughs> buy his lunch. So that spoke so much to us. And yeah. we thought, um. Let's let's think about it, and we talked to the clients, and they were very eager to uh, do uh, a, a fundraise kind of thing. That time, I think Canada doubled the whatever you give a dollar, yeah. and it gets doubled. So yeah. that really was a big help. So how many how many times a year do you take your clients to do this kind of community effort stuff? Oh, um, we are always open. There is always something or the other going on, and they are very big part of uh, city of Richmond because City of Richmond also does, uh, you know, a store, a call out for help, for cleaning, or mm -hmm. for uh, donation, or, you know, helping uh, seniors. So mm -hmm. we, we are... Is that how they sort of the adopt a, adopt a street? Was that you mentioned the no, adopt a street that, program? No, that, that was totally from Curzon. Uh, we explore for the voluntary work what they want to do. And it was a client's goal to do something in the city. So we explored on the website uh, mm -hmm. the voluntary work. And that's how we got involved with that. And I noticed you do, you, you make sure you, you guys do a lot of stuff with uh, Henry Yao. Oh, yes, yes. You know, he's, uh, the, he's the MLA, correct? He is the yeah. MLA. So he knows our clients very well. And uh, in fact, he has just sent uh, a city of Richmond, has sent individual name uh, thanking for the work they are doing and that, like recently, that's been you know helping cut back invasive uh, uh, yeah. plants and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they did that, and then the helping the new mom with the uh, uh, food, uh, you know, baby food and baby diapers, and uh, they did a lot of work. Now, there's five people. They're obviously they're 
individual, big individual personalities. What are some of the things that, you know, you come across in the house? Is it, I mean, is it just like living with a family? Absolutely. Is it, do they mm-hmm. get into arguments and bicker with each other? And <laughs> How did it come for you and me? <laughs> I'm still, uh, you know. Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But yes, that typical family and, uh, you know, sometime working in the community like that, they all get bond each other. Mm. They know each other so well. You uh, sometimes, if our nonverbal client, if as the, his jacket is given to somebody else, uh, if the staff doesn't know him enough, they are the first one who will check and he'll say, "No, that's not his." <laughs> <laughs> they are very, very uh, sensitive and they are very attached to each other, though they have their ups and downs. But yeah. uh, you know, now uh, you know one of the issues with people with developmental disabilities sometimes just behavioral issues it's is that um, uh, difficult or easy to overcome in this setting it depends on uh, individual residents and uh, for all the behavior and all uh, you know uh, we have a support system uh, with the help of our seniors and mentors and uh, assistant directors they all as a team sit together help with the uh, GPs and, you know, professionals and sit mm-hmm. together, talk, make a plan. So every behavior, we have a protocol to follow. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, that's where we come to train our staff to follow the protocols and policy and procedure. That sounds good. The, mm-hmm. uh, now, how lo- this, this particular group of five people at Curzon, how long have they been living together? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> more than 30 years but there are some very young uh, clients who have joined them Mm -hmm. so uh, the seniors is almost 68 years old Mm -hmm. and the youngest today uh, her birthday is she's 27 so there is a big age uh, gap but uh, you know that helps them to be like you know to be bond with each other more. yeah that's that's nice I mean it's always nice to have you know, disabilities aside, having that generational mm-hmm. I- involvement would be mm-hmm. would be kind of nice. Um, so, you know, going back to sort of talking about this as a profession, what are the things? Some of the things you don't like about caregiving, and or what what's what's lacking in society in your mind? I often find this occupation being labeled or tagged as caregiver, mm-hmm. which I think actually undermines and undervalues this profession. We ought to be considered as community builders and the life coaches that deserves far greater respect and encouragement from the society. I would also like to see men joining in this profession, yeah. like in nursing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you make an, an excellent point, community builders, and what was the other one you said? Life coach, life coach, that was the one. I mean, that's great. I mean, we, you know, we do a lot of recruitment drive and stuff like that. And, you know, I post a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff on social media that's, you know, that talks about exactly the the job you started off with, you know, community support worker. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time we start start rebranding that as community Mm -hmm. builder and and Mm -hmm. life coach because it's precisely what you do. That really Mm -hmm. defines Mm -hmm. it uh, a lot more. And and in terms of the men, you're right. um, I mean, Let's be honest, historically, caregiving has always seems to fall in <laughs> to women, right? Uh, but this this is a very rewarding job, and we mm-hmm. look after men, yeah. you know? 
like I don't know what the percentage of is it like a 50-50 split between men and women in our group homes do we try to do that I we don't basically think of doing that 50-50 but we are not uh, close to so as they come they we are open mm -hmm. I think DDA is very open for male or female we just want more male to join Mm -hmm. the but, the, but as far as the clients, though, like what's... Oh, clients are absolutely, like, you know, it's a very mix. Yeah. Uh, I can't say, I don't know the numbers, 50-50, yeah. but we do have women and male. Yeah, both, of course. Both and it's and it's important to have, you know, men in the house as, as you know... The female and male together, like, for, you know... For staff, after, and yeah. I mean, because they need that, mm -hmm. that guidance and that mentorship, yeah. regardless. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what would you say to men who are, you know, thinking about doing something like this or even haven't even thought about doing something like this? Well, I will say welcome. Welcome to this real world. We need your presence, strength and care to make a world a difference. At DDA, we provide adults uh, service basic training program. It's a very useful resource and training tool to get you started. This program was initiated by our executive director, Alana Hanren. I'm one of the instructors to teach this module. It prepares you to start working, making it easy and comfortably paced with you. You should have no fears, as we are always there to help, guide, and support you. Mm -hmm. So men are welcome. Yeah, and like, like we talked before, there's lots of internal support, training. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the, you know, not to mention the other benefits of working for DEA yeah. is we have a defined pension. We have Ooh, a really yeah. good benefits mm -hmm, program. Mm -hmm. um, what is the hardest thing about what you do? Well, the hard, a constant need for advocacy for clients' rights and respectable inclusion in the communities. For example, it's not easy to access certain public places like beaches and washrooms. We also lack enough available funding to support staff to accompany the clients during overnight hospitalization when oh, really? needed. Hmm. Yeah. Fortunately, through the advocacy work over the years, there has been a lot of improvement in overcoming these barriers. And the stigma has also declined but it is still ongoing hard struggle in this profession, I think. Now, when you talk about stigmas, I mean, obviously you're out in the community a lot with the, with the, the clients from Curzon. Mm -hmm. Do you experience that stigma in, in the public? We used to a lot. And now also, it's not gone away. We can see the eyes rolling or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, somebody getting up and, you know, moving from that place. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We do see that. But not as much what I used when I came here. So now it is a little bit better, but it hasn't gone fully. So it, it, from when you, from 20 years ago, you're, you're seeing an improvement in society's access, accept, acceptance, rather? Yeah, we, of course it is, but it's still a long way to go. Yeah, yeah inclusion mm -hmm. is, uh, yep. It's, yep. that's an ongoing yep. battle, yep. absolutely. Um, so, 
a lot of people in this line of work have a personal connection to developmental disabilities, like a lot of people on our mm -hmm. uh, board of directors, yeah. uh, you know, have family or, mm -hmm. or friends who have developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, is this true anywhere in your case? Um, no, n not in my, uh, no, no. It's not true in my situation, but there is significant number of people who are struggling to accept the fact that they are parent of siblings of the special needs person. Yes, there may be people uh, who are joining this field of employment to explore and to learn so that they can care for their loved ones better and meet their needs more effectively. This is one of the reasons that DDO offers some great training programs uh, and opportunities at work, like orientation session, shadow shifts, e-learning, all of which is designed to help staff to learn and grow while they are on their jobs. And do you find the DDA is very welcoming for, for new ideas and, and, and things you can bring to the table and just improve Absolutely. the lives? Absolutely. From the time I have joined, any ideas, anything uh, to describe that what is happening in the neighborhood or to changes, they are always open. So tell me about the job from an emotional point of view. Can it be difficult on you personally? Well, this profession can be quite stressful at times, emotionally challenging and difficult. So what, what, what causes that stress? Um, it's a work. Um, it's not easy to, for example, motivating a client. Mm -hmm. Every day motivational that, you know, giving yourself to the, that particular job is a lot asking. It sounds very simple, but it's it's a lot of giving. So you, your clients, I mean, they can be as stubborn as the next person. So getting them to do something <laughs> is is difficult. Uh, it's it, it not. Uh, we don't want them to do something, but helping them to, for example, getting up from the bed. Mm -hmm. Some of the clients are in that that they don't want to get up from the bed. Oh, like my teenager. <laughs> but there is a time for everything, right? Yeah. So for his own uh, health, we need to do that, right? So we get trained to help them to motivate and this. And those are all things it require. Uh, um, and uh, it's it sounds easy, but it's difficult. Well, I can imagine it being difficult because every every client is different and they're going to need different motivations mm -hmm. and different mm -hmm. different ways to get them going i mean that said do you think this job certainly requires a kind of person to have that kind of perseverance to have that kind of patience and motivation absolutely. in themselves absolutely needs a lot of patience and you know but it said that we do encourage our staff members to learn about self-care importance to educate themselves, mm -hmm. available resources and helpline. Help we support uh, staff to be vocal at how, they f how do they feel, to mm -hmm. share their concerns. We can get them the appropriate help they need. And that, you know, the, the, again, with we've got, you know, connections with our benefit programs Absolutely, and, their, yeah. and their family, uh, mm -hmm. family health plans. That, that's all in place. Mm -hmm. that, we're very, mm -hmm. very well supported. Mm -hmm. um, when I when I see pictures of videos of, of Curzon Home, because you're one of the uh, you're one of the uh, group home managers that sends me tons of content, which I love, mm -hmm. I can't I can't help but think 
how fun the job can actually be and where it doesn't actually feel like a job. I look at this and I go, they're all sitting around the dining room table drinking wine, <laughs> eating Thanksgiving turkey. And it's like, this feels like a home, which, which of course is the goal. But how do you accomplish that feeling from your perspective? Well, that is, um, that is our goal, right? Um, to provide continuous support and assistance uh, that fosters respect, independence, inclusion and a higher quality of life for the individual that we support. My aim uh, personally is to help them realize fulfillment in their lives of organizing necessary care resources and encouragement to reach their potential. The other goal is to train team staff so that they can continue to give their best care to our supported individuals as well as themselves. My final question, anything else to add to someone thinking about this line of work? Because it's, like I said early on, it's, it, this is vital work. This is, this is really important, whether it's, because the last uh, Stats Canada um, numbers from last year said 27% of Canadians identify with having a disability, whether mm -hmm. that's physical or cognitive or what have you. So having support uh, at any point in our lives is absolutely vital. So what, what, uh, what else can you add? What else can you say to someone thinking about getting into this line of work? Um, yes, I wish more people can experience working with people with autism and other disabilities to get a first-hand knowledge of what it means to face barriers and challenges to live every day. Like I said before, this profession is not for everyone, but to others who genuinely want to reach out and serve, who are caring and compassionate, I will definitely encourage to choose this line of work. Now, age aside, would you do anything else at this point in your life? Wow, I haven't thought about <laughs> it. But uh, I think I will continue to, as long as I can, uh, to be in this field and serve my and support my clients. And we are so happy to have you. We're so very proud mm -hmm. of the work you do, Ratnam. We have been chatting with DDA Group Home Manager Ratnam Matar. She has been telling us about her profession as a caregiver here or at DDA, I said rather a community builder and life coach. Ratnam, thank you for shedding some light on who you are and what you do, and I know we all love working with you. Thank you. Thank you, Evan, for this opportunity. You have been listening to DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. You can find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are supported, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts, and more. See you next time. Thanks for listening.